Voice of Fintech. Welcome to Voice of Fintech, a podcast mapping out Swiss and European fintech scene, connecting fintech enthusiasts with startups, incubators, accelerators, business angels and VCs, and incumbents interested in partnerships. Voice of Fintech will help you navigate the fintech ecosystem. Here you can listen to the startup founder stories, what investors and incumbents are looking for when dealing with startups, and find out more about resources provided by incubators and accelerators. My name is Rudy Fallad, and I'll be hosting this podcast. Welcome to Voice of Fintech. Today we're joined by Paul. Paul is the CEO of Thought Machine and we're going to talk about the cloud banking and the solution for incumbents and uh, how this sort of uh, technology is moving forward. So welcome, Paul. Uh, how are you today? Uh, welcome, Rudy. Yes, I'm very good. Can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about how did you start your company and why did you start it? And basically, how did you get to do what you do today? So my name is Paul Taylor. Thought Machine is actually the third company I started. So I'll spend a minute saying how I got here. I started off as a, as a university academic, actually, uh, and I was doing speech technology and machine learning and artificial intelligence. And I did that, did that in the 90s. And I did that for nearly 10 years. And then I founded my first company called Rhetorical Systems in 2000. And uh, it was acquired in 2004. I was an academic at Cambridge University for two years. Uh, and then I started my second company called Phonetic Arts. And uh, that was in Cambridge. And that was acquired by Google in 2010. And when it was acquired by Google, I then uh, became a Google employee. And at Google, we built the Google text-to-speech system, which is which you hear every day when you get into an Uber and you hear driving directions or voice search. But when I, when I was at Uber, I sorry, when I was at Google, I uh, I got very interested in cloud sorry so you can be at both i'm kidding oh yeah 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 so, so when i was at google uh, you know I, I was i was working as a software engineer i was writing software every day and uh, i was fascinated by google's ability to you know uh, work in what is now commonly known, known as the cloud and i was very very impressed by their ability to write you know excellent code and get things to uh, ship at real scale and how small teams could really have massive impact on the on the world when i was uh, i've told the story many times when i was in the android team at google there was 350 of us in the team and there were 350 million end users now that both the team and the end users got bigger but that's a lot of impact you get getting 1 million users per uh, uh, per team member but i i left google in 2013 uh, you know i i'm an entrepreneur i'm i that, that's kind of in my blood and uh, i founded thought machine in in 2014 so uh, i live in london and thought machine is based in london and we wanted to do i wanted to after seeing how well it was done at google i was determined to build a world class scalable tech company and i i did the obvious thing which is uh, i got some of my friends and some of my former colleagues at google to come and join us and together we we founded thought machine and 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 off we went we wanted to work in fintech, and uh, an obvious area was was uh, banking. And then we got uh, attracted to retail banking. And to be honest, that one of the reasons we got attracted to it was because we saw that it was such a mess. The legacy systems and uh, legacy technology that banks used were in such a terrible state and causing real problems for the banks and for the customers. So we thought, why don't we build a cloud native version of a bank? And then uh, you know fix these problems once and for all. So, so th- th- that's how it started. So what is Thought Machine and uh, how does it work? And uh, and also you know where does the name come from? I guess. 
Ah, so uh, I'll answer the last one first. So uh, it can be difficult thinking of a company name because you want to get a, a domain name that's, that's not taken and things like that. But mm. uh, th- there's various things that led into it. There was a supercomputer company called uh, Thinking Machines uh, a long time ago, and I always thought that was good. I always wanted to call my next company Something Machine. I, I think it's a, a great sounding word. And uh, We did try a few things before ending up with Thought Machine, but we, we thought it was pretty good. Uh, a lot of us have got AI and uh, machine learning background and uh, we probably thought we were going to do a lot more AI than we ended up doing in the first place so it, it, it does have the ring of an AI company but w- we moved into more or less pure platform play and, and, and that's where we are today so what, what what do we do so we build cloud native core banking engines and what does that mean so a core banking engine is is a system that is at the heart of a bank it is the nerve center of the bank so to speak and it 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 contains all the financial records of the bank the system or record the actual ground truth as to where the money is in the bank and it also operates the products in the bank which uh, lend money and borrow money and create deposits so and we started from scratch we built it all fresh so it's a single platform that can run any type of banking product it doesn't matter if it's a mortgage or a credit card or a car loan on the single platform, but did it in a cloud native style so that we'd be free from the kind of legacy problems that that, uh, that kind of plague uh existing banks and it is we don't build all the parts of the bank but we do build all the bits considered to be the, the kind of core financial operation of the bank i mean obviously there are many benefits of operating from cloud versus the uh, mainframes and uh, and it's also clear that it's beneficial to banks you know large and heavy data users not just the startups who don't know how much capacity they would need but the banks have been resistant to use the cloud technology for for a long time because um, they were worried about security and client data protection in Switzerland in particular. So how do you alleviate such concerns when you're selling your services to incumbents? Uh, Yes, a very good question. So I think it's important to realize how much banks have changed over the last few years. When we started Thought Machine and started uh, deploying in the cloud, there was no bank that would take us seriously that they would deploy in the cloud. They said, no, it's not going to happen. So so while we developed in the cloud, we always expected to install it as an on-prem solution in in the bank. But as time's moved on, banks of attitude has radically changed towards the cloud. And to put it bluntly, the the advantage of the cloud are, are absolutely compelling right so it's not a nice to have it's not a small improvement it is an an enormous improvement and of course when when you have a market where it's always dominated by big banks and they're all at mainframes well they're all each got the same problems but of course we do live in a world of challenger banks and all the challenger banks we know of monzo or revolut or n26 or starling you know are all cloud native banks they operate at a fraction of the cost they run 24 7 they don't have uh, you know, kind of batch processing overnight and things like this. So the competitive landscape has changed. I think it's also important that, to realize that the cloud computing companies, you know, Amazon and Microsoft and uh, IBM and, and Google, want the banks to run on the cloud. So they are engaging with the banks to try to figure out, you know, listen to the bank's problems and say, how can we do this? And the one that you mentioned in particular, where does customer data lie? There are now very good solutions to that, where, for example, anonymized uh, transaction ledgers can live in one place, but the personal information for the customers lives in a different database, and, and that can be safely kept within the jurisdiction of, of, of the relevant bank that, that has the license. So, mm-hmm. uh, so the cloud computing companies are, are trying to make this work. And so you've got the cloud computing companies, you've got the banks, and you've got companies like Thought Machine all working together to make this work and, and to alleviate the bank's concerns. Well, now that you mention it, so how do you differ from industry agnostic cloud providers or cloud, cloud computing companies uh, that, you, that you just mentioned? Uh, what's different between you and them? 
When you say cloud agnostic, what are you getting or, at there? I mean, industry agnostic. In other oh, words, you know, AWS uh, doesn't care whether they sell a cloud to a bank or to a pharma company, right? Um, uh, whereas you, you specialize yeah. in services for banking industry. Yes, uh, I think that's a little unkind to AWS because they, they do have uh, you know a financial services division. And, and, and but but in one sense, you are right. It, it is the ultimate horizontal product. As you know, in the lockdown, we're all watching a lot more Netflix than we otherwise would have, and uh, you know that is a pure cloud streaming platform. And um, but uh, yes, we're focused on the financial services industry and focused on retail banking in particular. It's just good good business economics to have a focus. You know, you can focus your resources, sell a product that's that's relevant to them, and of course, uh, the demand from the banks for the product is very very high. No matter how try how quickly you try to expand the company, there's always a new. That, that, that wants to engage us and so you know we're, we're kept plenty busy in, in that kind of core market of uh, of cloud native retail banking right and uh, you know we talked about security concerns but sometimes the banks or the big companies in general they're also concerned about outsourcing key capabilities to to outside vendors right and uh, their views on what is key and what's not are changing. So how does that work with you? I mean, how do you ensure that uh, you're not building another legacy infrastructure that will be just in the cloud and the clients will be dependent on you or be so complex and so customized that they cannot ever change you? Yes. Well, I think you've got two questions there. So, so the first one is about, you know, the buy versus build decision for the bank. And uh, let me say banks have changed their minds on this. Uh, when you think about there's no bank today that would really want to build every aspect of its own technology from scratch. And the answer is, while it seemingly looks like the bank gets what it wants, all the features it wants and all the uh, uh, technology it wants, what it's really doing is building a system with a customer of one itself. And it is incredibly costly to get anything fixed because every, any, any one feature or any one improvement only has one customer to use it. Now, if the bank uses a vendor, that vendor will be selling to hundreds and perhaps thousands of banks. And effectively, the development of new features is shared by all those customers. So it ends mm-hmm. up being much cheaper for the bank. Now, it has to be said that the bank is getting a more standard system. And so it needs to move away from having every single thing customized. But Vault, which is Thought Machine's core product, is very, very flexible and gives a bank nearly everything that it wants. And also, you just see this happening again and again, where you you see, for example, you know they're outsourcing the hosting to the cloud, as whereas previously you'd used an on-prem data center. So it is a balance for the bank to get these things right. I think the landscape is changing somewhat in that banks are getting more and more comfortable to rely on vendors. Now, the second part of your question was, how do we know that we're not producing the legacy of tomorrow? Right. So, so legacy is a is an easy word to use, but why are legacy systems? troubled right so the number of reasons but uh, i've just given one and that they've got a customer of one but really there the things that really kill a bank are that all of the development's done as a set of one-off projects so you'll find that a bank it has a project to do fx and it builds that and it uses one system integrator and then it has a problem selling to do um, you know anti-money laundering systems so that's a different product but those products and how they're set up and how they work have got very little in common when i was in google something that people who are familiar with writing code find extraordinary so google i think there was uh, ten thousand software engineers there when i was there but everyone uses one code repository for the whole company so mm. and that means so that automatically eases the problem of the the, uh, the system getting siloed so it's it's now within that there's hundreds of products but they're all built in a standard way and in Google, we had a very strict 
coding practices. And those coding practices were there to ensure the best possible quality of code. For example, the way code was tested or the way it was written and all sorts of things to absolutely ensure that the code was the highest quality. But the, the next thing that re, that's prevents it being, being legacy is the so-called continuous integration, continuous deployment uh, methodology. And what that means is instead of doing these so-called monolithic big bang releases once or twice a year, what happens is that uh, as a developer checks in their code, their improvement into the code base, that that is compiled, tested, and then once a week or once every two weeks, depending on when it is, that gets pushed in, into production. So that means all the time you're pushing things into production. Now, when you put those two things together with the quality of the code and the quality of the engineers, you realize that you know everything is live. There's no place for kind of bad code to reside. I said everything's tested, everything's documented, and uh, we have good proof that it's all in a healthy state. You still have to be a, pay attention to it. There's, there's no silver bullets here per se, but, but doing those things about having a single repo, continuously deploying, automated testing, all these things help alleviate the, the problems that legacy systems have, a, have, have brought with them. Oh, great. Another important point is that banks quite understandably are, are driven by business people who you know want to have a, a very clear ROI on a project and have a budget and it is driven by business requirements and you might say well what's wrong with that and uh, in one sense there's nothing wrong with that but a thought machine we have a deep passion for the quality of the technology so we want to build a beautiful bank even if the commercials don't in the short term say that it's worth doing the engineers are always crafting a find a better way of doing a ledger find a better way of doing scheduling find a better way of doing product simulation because we know in the long run if you build technology to the highest possible level you will get your reward now often it's hard to put your finger on which customer or what deal or what what part gets the reward but the cumulative effect of excellent technology means that the product is very very competitive and when when a bank wants something quite difficult codes in a good way the systems in a good way and often it's it's a far easier task and a far quicker task for, for us us to add those features than it is in a legacy system which is as i say delivered as one-off you know pieces of kind of polished work that, that they just kind of sit there so but in real world and in the near term how do you make money though how do you charge per hour or per project or license fees how does that work in the main thought machine makes us money from license fees we have a dual model where we do a software as a service whereby we we host the whole thing but for the big banks uh we actually install it on a cloud managed instance by them and and we just charge a, a, an annual fee and that fee with the bank it's it's like a software as a service model they get a fee every year and then as user numbers grow then the fee grows we also have a a, a small we also do revenue we also have uh, professional services revenue as well but, but the strategic income source is from the licenses and uh, so your target customers are retail banks and challenging banks neo banks right yes and you're based in the UK or do you cover other markets as well? We are based in the UK. We have a, a significant presence in uh, Singapore as well. We will be opening an, an office in the United States uh, later this year. But our, our market is global. Uh, banking may differ in some sense from country to country, but really it's, a, it's an intrinsically universal business. People are depositing money in the bank or they're borrowing money from the bank and everybody's very motivated to make sure it's done in a kind of clean and a safe way. So, uh, so, so our, our market, is, market is, truly, uh, is truly international. Understood. And uh, so where are you in, on your journey in terms of development or hiring and funding plans? Obviously, some of it could be disrupted by the current uh, health crisis, but 
you know, you've been around for a few years. How do you see this uh, unfolding uh, for the next few? It's a very good time for us. We've been around nearly six years, so our birthday will be in June uh, 2014. And uh, we've passed 300 people, most based in London, but an ever-growing strong team in Singapore. Uh, and in January, we announced, the, uh, we announced we closed our Series B funding, which was for uh, $83 million, uh, led by Draper Esprit and by uh, backed by our, our existing investors as well. So, you know, it, it, we are entering a, a rapid growth phase. I, I would say our, our main challenge is, is just to deliver. Um, we have got a lot of banks who, are, who we're working with, and it's very, very exciting times because the banks, are, we are their preferred option in many cases. You know, they have a deep belief in what we're doing, and, it, it, and it's deploying the technology you know, at scale uh, into the banks that's the uh this this the main thing uh main thing coming next we're we're, we're long past the kind of early development stage of the product great paul and uh where can interested parties reach you and what kind of people would you like to hear the most from great well obviously our website www.thoughtmachine.net we are happy to talk to retail banks we only really sell to retail banks so uh that, that, that's who we most like to uh, get in touch with. And we obviously have uh, customers who, are, who agree with us that the core thesis that the legacy platforms are, are holding them back. So people want to do that. People who want to launch digital challenger banks, people who want to re-platform their core, people just want to do it a better way, you know, safer, more resilient, more flexible, and uh, far, far lower cost. Great. Well, thank you, Paul, and good luck to Thought Machine. Okay, thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to Voice of Fintech podcast. If you haven't already, check out also voiceoffintech.com where you will find all the episodes and additional resources related to the podcast. You can also subscribe to Voice of Fintech on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or any other podcast app that you like. If you have any suggestions on the topics or guests or how to make this podcast better for you, please email us at info at Happy to hear from you. Thank you.